0: Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, It immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, "'How long has he been like this?' "'From childhood,' he answered. "'It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. "'But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us.'" "'If you can,' said Jesus, "'everything is possible for the one who believes.'" Praise God. Thank you. You may be seated.
1: No. Well, it's we got spoiled. We had such warm weather even till the end of January. But now, I think it's colder than I've ever felt before. <laughs> Talked to a couple of folks this morning. Poor you, who just came back from Mexico or California, and they're whining about this 60-degree temperature change. Well, poor you. But winter is here now, finally in our province, and uh, now we're we're all on. Mode, saying, Lord Jesus, please, please start bringing the Chinooks. We need that break every once in a while. I, uh, I don't know about you, but I have, I have experienced a number of times in life. I, uh, Saturday morning, yesterday morning, we had a, a wonderful uh, leaders and staff conference for the day. And uh, we we had a great time, uh, even though we uh, we were got really vulnerable and bare with each other, and shared the and 2019, 2020, and things of that nature. I'm not a morning person. I hate mornings. I can stay up till three in the morning, no problem. But I do not like mornings, and I have this habit of waking up, looking at my clock, and it's 15 minutes before the time I wanted to get up, and I said, I'll just take 15 more minutes. never ends well. That 15 minutes just kind of goes by so fast. So I got in the habit of setting my alarm clock on my iPad, which lays beside our bed, and I'd set it Friday night for uh, 6 30 Saturday morning so I could get up and make sure that I got to the retreat center in time and all this, the stuff I wanted to bring. And uh, when I finally opened my eyes, the conference was at 9 o'clock and it was 5 after 8. And I looked and I said, Well, what happened to the alarm? I had it set. And I recognized that when I looked over and picked up my iPad, the power cord had dropped out of the iPad and it had worn itself out. You know, those little moments of power failure in our lives can be frustrating. We, I, if you work on computer like I do in word processing as much as I do, How many times have you been working on a document and there's been a power failure in the building and you forgot to save everything you had worked on? And uh, it just disappears. And I was speaking to someone about that week as I was preparing my thoughts this morning on power failure. They said, well, don't you know you can just reload the the program and the, the documents that you were working on will still be there? I said, oh, really? So they had to show me. I'm a Luddite. No question about it. But this morning I, want to, I got thinking this week about power failure, and I remembered that gigantic power blackout that happened in 2003. I'm not sure that all of us will remember that because we live in western Canada, but in eastern Canada and the northeastern part of the United States, there was a massive blackout uh, that shut down uh, the northeastern United States uh, uh, Ontario, Quebec, parts of New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia. It was a massive blackout. It started about 4 o'clock one afternoon and, and just spread across uh, uh, those provinces and those states. And the out, the out, outages of that power black actually had an impact of over 50 million people that went into darkness. Torontonians scrambled down endless stairways and skyscrapers where elevators stopped working and some on the subways were stuck there for hours after hours in pitch black. Several people were trapped in skyscraper elevators for hours waiting for some news about what was going on. There began to raise a fear within the population that this was another September 11th event. Traffic lights in Toronto and Montreal, Ottawa, New York and other cities were gone, and a multitude of accidents were happening during the biggest rush time in the cities. Flights at airports of Toronto, Kennedy, LaGuardia, Ottawa, Montreal, and Halifax were all canceled. Tens of thousands of people were stuck in airports in the dark, wondering what is going on. I mean, I can recall losing power a few times when I was a kid in Nova Scotia, but it was only for a few hours from an ice storm. Power failure is frustrating. Power failure is frightening. Little ones, like your computer experience I had, are frustrating. But ones like 2003 can be catastrophic. They can be catastrophic. But you want to know, I believe... That as I have reflected over this last year of my life, in particular, that I believe, if we are not careful as a church of Christ, as a, as a church that commit themselves to Jesus being their Lord and Savior and your guide, that we may find ourselves right now in our society, in our lives and in our culture, in a power failure, a spiritual power failure. I thought about that a lot, especially after a weekend we had at Breakforth. And God really spoke to me at that weekend. He spoke to my life as a pastor and as a leader. Where is your power? Where is your power? I started to say, where is our power? as evangelical churches. We come to this story this morning, and I want to suggest that the disciples had a power failure. The disciples experienced power failure. For us to understand that, we need to get into the context of this particular event that happened. So we need to flip back pages in the Gospel... To kind of bring this into context, chapter 2 of Mark, there was the healing of the paralytic that was dropped down through the roof. Matthew and the disciples were called miraculously and dropped exactly what they were doing to follow Christ, also in chapter 2. Jesus healing on the Sabbath in chapter 3. Casting out of demonic activities in chapter 5. Healing by a simple touch of his robe by a woman also in chapter 5. The twelve disciples being sent out two by two and concluding with these words. Mark 6, 12-13. They went out and preached that men should repent, and they were casting out many demons, were anointing with oil, many sick persons, and they were healed. 5,000 miraculously fed in chapter 6. Also, Jesus walking on water in chapter 6. Then in chapter 8, 4,000 more plus men and women were, were fed miraculously. A few hours before this event took place, Peter, John, and Jesus, and one other, James. I'm old. They, just a few hours from this event we were up on the mountain with Jesus and witnessed the transformation, the transfiguration that took place. And they were coming down from that high, that place where they actually wanted to make altars of those three. And they came down from the mountains, and as they were approaching the bottom of the foothills of the mountains, a crowd was gathered around the remaining disciples, and the leaders were arguing with them, and as Peter, as Jesus came, he kind of dropped into their conversation. He said, what are you discussing with these folks? And out of the crowd, a voice came from the father of a boy. He explained that he had brought his son, who had some sort of demonic activity in his life that probably resulted, if you read the description that the Bible is talking about, it would be not uncommon even today. Uh, an epileptic fit and so uh, he said to the father said we we've brought my boy to your disciples but they couldn't do anything this father must have known that the disciples had been out two by two they must have heard, he must have heard the rumors that these disciples were going around going about their business two by twos asking people to repent and come to know Jesus, and signs and wonders were following them. The Bible says that people were healed. Demons were cast out. And so it was no wonder that the father of this son said, I need to bring him to those people. I hear that people are being healed by them. And so like any parent of a child... I want healing for my, my child. I want to find ways for my child to be healed. They'd heard about the disciples' excursions, and they brought the boy to them. But then the father says they could not cast him out. They couldn't do it. Jesus' response, O oh unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. How long shall I put up with you? The expository Bible commentary suggests Jesus had become weary of, this, of the disciples' spiritual weakness. When the father brought his son to Jesus' the disciples, he apparently, he apparently believed the boy would be healed and now we see that he was not so sure. Because he asked Jesus, If you can do anything, if you can do anything, help us. Jesus immediately, I believe, fixated on one word if. If. The question was not whether Jesus had the power to heal the boy, but whether the father had the confident expectation or faith that Jesus could do it. I suggest to you from that passage of Scripture that the first sign of our spiritual power failure comes from weakened expectations. Weakened expectations, not believing that what God says he empowers us to do, what he desires us to do, we say, yes, we want to do it, but I'm not sure that we have the expectation that God will do what he says he's going to do. I think this is where the disciples... Remember, we're talking about men who had just done miraculous things. And here they are now, powerless. Was it the, the, the weakened expectations of the disciples? Yes. But it was also the Father. Jesus said, All things are possible for who, those who believe. You believe that? you believe that I wonder we believe the words we believe the words but I wonder how many of us really believe that all things are possible for those who believe all is a big word there all is a big word the father said, I believe. Ah, yeah, I believe. I got gotcha. you. And then he recognized, oh, help my unbelief. Oh, help my unbelief. I suspect that more of us are at that place on our Christian walk than we are, I believe you can do all things. Oh, help my unbelief. I think if there's anything, as this world becomes darker and darker and darker, with the onslaught of humanism and other, other things where the church is being attacked, it, it, there's no greater time in the Christian church in the last perhaps 50 years then the church become the power of Christ for who it was meant to be. And I suspect that we are suffering power failure in our lives, in our churches, in our ministries, because we have weakened expectations that God will do what He says He will do. Let me read Mark 16 for you. If I was a good preacher, I would have had this marked already. The last chapter of the book of Mark. After he had appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he reproached them, for their un- he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. Then he says this to his disciples. Let me ask you, if you are a follower of Christ, if Jesus has come into your life by your repentance of faith and your invitation for him to be your Savior, and then you receive the Holy Spirit upon salvation, are you or are you not a disciple? Are you? Are we disciples of Christ? You see, I sometimes think we separate those twelve from us. We don't put ourselves in that category. They kind, of, they kind of sit at a special place in Christendom. But if we're a disciple, let me read you these words. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized will be saved, and he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, and they will speak with new tongues, and they will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. I've been in ministry 40 years. And this week I asked my God, I wished... I had that kind of faith 40 years ago. That you promise us as disciples that we have a power within us to do what God asks us to do. It's interesting that he doesn't define sick, so I'm happy with that. Because I don't know what sickness means to people, emotional, physical, mental. But I do know that as a disciple of Christ, I can begin to pray and lay hands on people and I can expect that God is going to respond with some kind of healing. How many really believe that? Not too many hands. Not too many hands. And just because that very fact that even though we believe it, we're afraid to identify that we believe it, I suggest to you that we have spiritual power failure happening in us. We're plugged in, but the electricity isn't flowing really well. Power failure, first of all, comes from, I believe, a weakened expectation that God will actually do what He says He will do. Second, spiritual power failure comes from Prayer failure. Spiritual power comes and is dampened by prayer failure. We have a group of people in our church that are so passionate about bringing the church to a place of genuine prayer. We got led yesterday by one of those folks in a concert of prayer before we got into our daily discussions, our leadership discussions. I believe today that the fruit that comes out of those discussions yesterday, and there's a long list, the fruit that comes out of that discussion is because of the concert of prayer because of the concert of prayer. This situation arose where the disciples were unable to heal this sick boy. They went to Jesus after all of the boy was healed, and Jesus and them were alone, and the disciples said, what happened? We were just doing it a few months ago. And why couldn't we do it? And Jesus responded, how? This kind comes out only by prayer. This kind comes out only by prayer. To emphasize it, he's just talking about, uh, okay, Lord, I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer to you this morning, and uh, I'm going to go out on my day. He's talking about intense, meaningful prayer. Other translations would say prayer and fasting. This kind comes out only by prayer and fasting, which to me gives a strong emphasis that we're not just talking about a simple little prayer, but we're talking about seeking God's face in a depth that we don't often do. I stand before you, as a pastor who is not a prayer warrior. I'm glad I'm 76, because the worst she can do is fire me. But I've been learning these last years here at this church that prayer is the foundation for everything that we will do And it is the foundation that will give us the direction that God wants us to be what He wants us to be. I have to believe the disciples were somewhat confused. They'd been going out two by two, they'd been healing the sick, they'd been casting out demons. But now, what happened? My impression is that when they were out on their own, they were connected to God through prayer. When they got Jesus in their midst, they lost sight of that. And they had a power failure. They had a power failure. We often want to have this I do. Let me not say we, because I don't want to put my, my weakness on your shoulders. I often think, because I'm a believer, because I'm a pastor, that I really don't need to ask God a lot of things. I'm just going to go do each day what I, want, what I think He wants me to do, and I'm going to do it. And I can be fairly successful at that. I I spent 35 years of my pastoral life making a to-do list each day and then going into prayer and say, God, bless this to-do list. This is what I want to do for you today. And then in my prayer time, I would praise Him. Then I'd run down my to-do list. I suggest to you that that's a powerless list if I haven't prayed to create the list. If I haven't prayed to create the list. It's my list, not his list. I believe the church today is in a unique situation, and we keep praying for revival. I'm changing my words from revival to start to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be present in each of our lives and in the church, and that we can depend on Him to lead us where He wants us to go. And I believe by doing so, we will see signs and wonders. I don't know what they'll look like, but I believe they're there. I believe they're there because God's Word says as disciples, this is what I give you authority to do. But why isn't it happening then? If He's given us the authority, what's what's happened? There's a disconnect. The current is not flowing. And there's a power failure. Finally, spiritual power failure comes from trying to do it all under our own strength. I don't need to say a lot about that this morning because Ryan did a wonderful job with it last week. There's a word that we use in our church, and we've used it for many years. It's all about... Let's hear it. It's all about Jesus. I'm getting myself in a lot of trouble today. I really am. Because I'm not sure you really believe that. You see, if it's all about Jesus, then we have to always look to Him. And stop looking to ourselves. I've declared myself, I did it publicly yesterday, a spiritual narcissist. That's so easy to become as a believer. I'm doing all these things for you, God. I'm I'm a pastor. I'm doing all these things. But I'm doing them on my own. And often in my daily prayer, in my daily thought, it is I, 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 I. Instead of you, 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 Jesus. It was amazing to me how quickly the disciples forgot the wondrous things that they had just been doing months before. How quickly spiritual blessings in our lives find their way to the back shelves of our lives by letting it hap- and by letting that happen we lose power to walk the valley of our lives. The disciples had just seen 5,000 men and women, plus men and women, fed. They had seen many miracles. They had been in the storms in Mark chapter 6, or Mark chapter six. they'd been in the storm after the feeding of the 5,000, and they were rowing and rowing and rowing their boat to get to the other side as the winds picked up and the the storm came roaring in upon them. And the harder the storm blew, the harder that they rowed to get to the other side until they finally were almost exhausted and were ready to give up. What had happened? They experienced power failure. Why? Why? They experienced power failure because they were struggling through the storm under their own power. Isn't that the way we go through our lives? Struggling with our storms in our own power? Figuring a way to fix it? It's natural. It's okay. And in and, and, and kind of the everyday tools of life, I... I'm thankful for some of the men in the church here. Uh, where is Walter? Is Walter, where is he hiding on me? Oh, there he is over there, Walter. Walter comes to the church almost every day. He walks in the office and says, is there anything I can fix? You know, and, and I, I love him because he can fix him. I can't. We just talked this morning about a little dysfunction in one of our doors. So that's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm talking about us becoming the disciple that Jesus wants us to become, and we cannot do that within our own power. We can only become that when we have the full power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, active through prayer, through expectation, and through keeping our eyes on Jesus. We need all three to be connected to the power plant of Christ. I'm not going to get into the theological debate about when you get the Holy Spirit. I believe when you're saved. Others believe it's a second blessing. I don't need to get into that argument. My statement is, He indwells me, He lives within me, and He allows me to do the very things that His Holy Word says that I can do. But if I try to do those things on my own, we may, I, I won't be connected with His will. And so I must connect with Him. Power failure. I believe that the church, I wouldn't say is in a spiritual blackout, but in a spiritual gray area. I'm not sure we really believe we can do what God has given us authority to do. I was actually thinking about really having a joke with you and coming re- drinking some Kool Aid. Because I, 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 I don't get if you go around drinking poison, you're going to be okay. But I do believe that God's power lives within us under the direction of the Holy Spirit, and if we're going to be a church of this 20th century, this 21st century, then we better get connected to the power plant. We better get connected to the power plant. Otherwise, we're just trying on our own. We're just struggling day after day after day after day, trying on our own, To be what God wants us to be. I conclude with this thought. We have said, and it came up in our conversations yesterday, you you have heard me say, and you've heard many others say from this platform that I believe that we're just an eye blink away from God doing something great. I believe that. I believe that. But we need to get connected to the power plant. That may be what's holding this thing back. Because we, we have a sense of unspectation of, of weakened expectations. We're not sure. Our prayer life, our corporate prayer life, I know there's many people in our church are praying. And that's wonderful and that's powerful. But you know something, there's much more power when the corporation plays, prays together. When we're all together from time to time, praying and seeking God's face together. Something marvelous comes out of that. Jesus said of the disciples, are you a disciple? I'm not hearing too much about that, but I suggest you are, whether you want to be or not. But he says to his disciples, these things that you wish to do only come out by prayer and fasting. Uh, I don't know how many of you get to experience. I see that kind of ministry happen in this church quite often. Many of us don't see it. But our Ethiopian brothers and sisters will come here at nine in the morning and still be praying at one at night, nonstop. Nonstop. And from what I'm hearing about their prayers, the country of Ethiopia is having a miraculous revival that's going beyond what anybody ever expected. And people are coming to Christ, Muslims and others in that country. And I suggest to you it because this little Ethiopian church and other Ethiopian church understand the power of prayer. And finally... We can't do it alone. I'd like to. I mean, there are some things in my life I'd just like to go and. There are people I know that I would just like to go and fix it. I'd just like to fix it. But I can't. All I can do is keep my eyes focused on Jesus and pray. And pray. That he fix it through me or whatever. But it's not me doing it. I want you to take a moment before the worship team comes, leads us in our final song. I want you to just take a moment. Just take a moment and ask yourself. Do I really believe? I mean, not just the word believe, but am I committed to the reality of belief? That what God says in His Word is available for me today. It is available for me. I'm not stretching outside of the Word of God, I'm living within the Word of God. Ask yourself that question. Ask ourselves as a congregation that question. Do we believe that God has much more for us than this? I do. But we need not only just say the words, it's all about Jesus. Maybe we need to change the words, it is Jesus. And keep our eyes, as Ryan said last week, focused on Him. It's interesting to me that that passage of Scripture that Ryan used last week, Zig used six months ago, and I used a year ago. Three times the Holy Spirit has led the leaders from this pulpit to talk about getting out of the boat. Three times. Maria said that God said, holy, holy, holy. I think Jesus is saying, boat, boat, boat. Father in heaven, you are You have provided for us the power plant in Jesus and his indwelling spirit to be part of our lives. And I confess to you this morning, Lord, I, I have stepped out of the boat this week and I still have a sense of fear and trembling. But I do believe that we need to, we need to be connected to your power plant. We need to have our lives so in touch with you that our prayer life not, doesn't begin with us. It begins with you and it includes you so that you might be the Lord of this church, so that you might be the Lord of our lives, that you might be the Lord of our families. Holy Spirit. You are here, but we welcome your power to be experienced here. If you believe that, say amen. I can't hear you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. And thank you for your presence in Jesus' name.